0: Try to surround yourself with other, like, radical optimists. I say that is my superpower, and I I general, gen, generally see myself as the person that's like, okay, like, you can do it, uh, si se puede. Like, <laughs> I'm very much in that mindset because when I think about, like, the life that my parents had and the life that they've come here for us, it's like we are their American dream, and it's like... They have worked so hard for us to have this opportunity to make dreams happen. And entrepreneurship, in my opinion, is the gateway. And if you don't surround yourself with radical optimists that will help elevate and bring that vision to life, it can, it can be really, well, not as fun and potentially even bring down your business.
1: Hi, and welcome to the Sliced Podcast, where we share startup stories from founders, investors, and CEOs from across the globe. Hi, and welcome back to the Sliced Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Ahrens. Today's guest is Susie Lira Gonzalez, co-founder of Index. INDEX is a social learning platform enabling users to save, organize, and share content from podcasts, articles, and videos, all to encourage continuous learning. Hi, Susie. Thanks so much for being with us. Hi. Thanks for having me here. <laughs> this is so exciting, especially because it's about what we're on right now, a la a podcast. That's and right. Things like that. So this is, you know, extra fun, super on the nose. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I want to dive into your background a little bit because I saw something that was interesting. But tell me, kind of walk me through your educational background to get us started.
0: Yeah, for sure. So I'm originally from Colorado, so a small town in the southeast corner, and I loved business in high school. Mm-hmm. I was in all the clubs. You th- you think uh, DECA, FBLA, those like groups in high school. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I was state president for Colorado DECA, and I ran an international campaign for international president. And so at the age of 18, I was set to take a year off college and go do that. That was my plan A. And I ran that campaign, and I actually lost. So my 18-year-old self could not take it. And I was like, oh, I must be horrible at business. Oh, that's a lot of
1: pressure. Yeah.
0: (laughs) In hindsight, I'm like, I was probably a little uh, overdramatic. But I was at the point where I asked myself, well, what else am I good at? I also happened to be really good at math and science and decided, well, I'll go be an engineer. And so I decided to go to Gonzaga University Mm -hmm. to study mechanical engineering. And that's what I did there. Uh, So for four years, I was with all engineers and, like, tech kind of people. And it was really fun. Of course, your first year of college, everybody takes the same type of engineering classes. Right. right? And yeah. so it's not until your sophomore year where you start to specialize. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what to what kind of engineering to specialize in. So I asked around and I wanted to be like broad enough but specific enough to understand like the technology. And thus I landed on mechanical engineering as the major to study in in school. And so right after college, I decided to go try Like I just being a mechanical engineer (laughs) as one would. Yep. Yep. Because I had friends that went to graduate school, started working, a variety of things. And so I was like, okay, I just put in four really hard years of engineering. Let's go try this out. And so I went and did that. And it was really fun, worked with really smart people, like really technically diverse folks from people with PhDs in physics, biochemistry, engineering, like uh, mechanical, electrical, and we did awesome work for the government and ended up getting patents for, for our work, both in the US and in Europe. But what I realized was that there was this big disconnect between the business and the tech, Mm -hmm. side of the organization. So we were building really cool things from a technical perspective, but it didn't always align with the business stakeholders' objectives. Mm -hmm. And so there was one day that the company that I was with, they laid off 10% of the workforce. And I in my opinion, I don't think it was handled really gracefully where those peop- things
1: rarely are. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> and again, I was my first job out of college and I thought, why are why are they letting them go? Like these people have spent twenty to thirty years here and like no notice. Anyways. So it really drove this curiosity within myself to say, like, why is this happening? and trying to understand it. And of course, always having that love for business that Mm -hmm. was in me since high school. So I decided to return to graduate school at Notre Dame to study business and entrepreneurship, specifically around like what makes a sustainable tech business. Mm -hmm. And they took students, or I guess people with stem undergrads so you that was like a prerequisite for the program you had to have a stem degree and so imagine this you have a bunch of like nerdy tech sort of folks and we're like what's a balance sheet or what's a go-to-market strategy or what's business law Um, but it was really really fun to to get really tactical and understand that
1: yeah and it kind of makes sense i guess just from the intro we talked about you know your emphasis on continual learning. It feels like you were kind of continually learning there for a while, learning in your first four years, coming out of school, learning on the job, and then kind of pivoting and learning the business. So are you kind of like a learner at heart, I guess? Was that kind of how you would describe yourself?
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I like to use the, the term lifelong learner Yeah. Uh, because – I always ask why or I'm curious. Like, why why do things work the way they do? Maybe it's my engineering mindset, but maybe it's just being a curious individual that mm-hmm. wants to know how the world works, why it works that way. And through this process, I've found other people that are curious individuals mm-hmm. that have this innate curiosity to understand how things work and why, why they work a certain way.
1: Yeah, that's so neat. And so then walk us through how index came to be and how you kind of got involved after your initial pivot then
0: Yeah, for sure. So, after graduate school, I ended up going into technology consulting because student re- student loans are very much a real thing. Yes, they are. So, I needed to pay off some, you know, yeah. expenses, but this is this was in 2019 when I was in technology consulting, working for a company called Avanade. It's a joint venture between Microsoft and Accenture. And through that, we were consulting on data and AI for Fortune 500 companies. So helping them go from like legacy technology mm-hmm. to the cloud, essentially digital transformations. Yeah. And... My co-founder and I actually both went to the same graduate program and both ended up working at Avanade afterwards. And in 2019, we were taking a lot of business trips together. And on one of those trips from Redmond over to Seattle, we were kind of brainstorming ideas because we've always been talking shop about Mm -hmm. potentially starting a business one day and As we found ourselves consulting clients on how they need to do this digital transformation, we we realized that we were sending links to one another all the time. Mm
1: -hmm. And they lived
0: in Slack and email and iMessage, and they were just really all over the place. And so uh, Thomas, my co-founder, was like, well, wouldn't it be nice if there was a platform where you could consolidate all of these learnings? Mm -hmm. Because if you think about it, for most of our life, Emily, we have a built-in curator. We have a built-in teacher that's telling us like whether it's high school or college that's telling us like learn this. Like here's mm-hmm. your syllabus. But in the real life you get to your professional career. That doesn't exist. If you're trying to learn the latest trends in like digital transformations or trying to understand data science or trying to level up in your financial health like you have to do the research. Do it yourself. Exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that was the original, like, genesis for us to start Index back in. And it was an, an idea at, at that point. And then COVID happened, of course. Right. And so um, we, we stayed at our jobs, saved aggressively. And then in March of 2021, we decided to go full-time on it and so we raised a friends and family round in the spring of 2021 and we're able to bring on our technical lead and have been off to the horses since since then
1: so explain like visually what it will look like so let's say i'm somebody who is kind of in your situation my stuff is spread all over the place what does it look like to kind of get that consolidated? Is it some sort of like dashboard? Are there folders? Like visually, what? how does that kind of come together?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. So right now, we like to sometimes describe it as Pinterest for learning. So if you're familiar with Pinterest, you have these boards of uh, backyard ideas or laundry room ideas, and it's very visual, right? Right. With Index, you can c- curate collections of all the best articles, Books and podcasts to learn something new, and so I'll throw a really like good example for the market here in Denver. Uh, I bought my first house a year ago as well, and nobody like teaches you that like no. what to look for. Congrats, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and so I did all this research on like what are the books to read, what are the podcasts talking about real estate, you mm-hmm. know, and I have that curated on my index as a collection so then I've taken all these links literally anything that has a link and I've saved that to index and there we have a save extension within like an iOS app but we also have a chrome extension where you can just quickly save in there and then you can start to organize it within the app that way that's so great so it's it's really a good way to say like, hey, I I bought my first house. I did all the research for the next friend that's looking to buy their home or get into real estate investing, I'll just share that one collection. And it saves them all of that pain and headache on looking for the best content. Okay,
1: that was my next question. So kind of, again, similar to Pinterest, you can kind of just select a friend and send them the board. That's great. Yeah,
0: exactly, exactly. So you can share it with them um, on a web link. Uh, I I have so many collections, it's probably gotten out of hand. But I think I have just such a broad range of interests from real estate to startups to podcasts. Yeah. what we're doing now yeah. um, we did we started a podcast for index as well and I was like well how how does this work and so doing all the research and yeah that
1: it's just really fun to to learn that's really really neat and so tell me a little bit about your co-founder and kind of we like to ask when we have co-founders on about that relationship and kind of what it takes to make that successful because you know it's kind of a big one as far as relationships go. It's the marriage, a sense essentially, in the business sense, right? Like, you know. Yeah, for sure.
0: So I feel really, really thankful to have a great partner, a great business partner in Thomas. And so, like I mentioned, we went to the same graduate program, mm-hmm. although different years. So he went the year before I did, and I remember. Messaging him on LinkedIn and like because I knew that he had gone to then work for Avnad, who I was doing my capstone project with. And I I sent him a message on LinkedIn just asking for any advice that he had. And that it's funny because I've gone back and found that message (laughs) that's kind of sparked sparked what has been like working together for the last four years now. And I, I chuckled because. I don't know if it's rare or if I just got lucky, um, but it has been really, really awesome to have him because we have a lot of the same values, mm-hmm. and it's really important for us to to align that way. And we, we, it's funny when we walk into a room together because I'm like five feet tall, like short, like little Mexican girl, and he's like, <laughs> Uh, six two probably like tall wow. like you know American guy and so we are so different we th- um, but we we have the same values right and from a business perspective we think very different differently and I've heard before like there's three personas to like have a successful startup in your co founding team there's the hustler the hacker. And the visionary, mm-hmm. and I would say that Thomas is really good about thinking about the high-level vision and where we're going, and like what we're gonna do, and, or where we're going. And then I do a really good job of like figuring out
1: how we're going. How are you to gonna get there? get there? Yeah.
0: And then Malin, our technical lead, she's absolutely like that hacker persona. She's an incredible yeah. um, software developer that has really led our product development um, thus far. So I feel like we are a good little trio of a team there. Um, but yeah, my, my co-founder, I, he and his wife used to live in Seattle and I convinced them to move out to, to Colorado. So we're all, we're gang out here now.
1: (laughs) That's really fun. Yeah. Well, when you were in your business training and, and learning about all those things after kind of pushing past engineering for a bit there, Was venture capital and, like, the fundraising process a part of that, or is that still something that you're still working on and learning now? Because that's kind of like its own entity, I would imagine. So was that hard for you to kind of then learn about, okay, I'm jumping into the startup. That means I need to jump into this VC space, and what are all of my options, and, and what does this all mean?
0: Yeah, that's a really good question as well, especially because there's so much advice that you get on the internet. Like, yeah, like, take capital, don't take capital, do this or do that. And it, I, I've been given a lot of different advice, but I think it just depends on the type of business that you're trying to build. And for us, we're trying to build a venture-backed business, and that does entail taking capital because we are a consumer technology business. Mm-hmm. And so we are like we have a product in market we're working towards product market fit and eventually of course proving out the business models and so for us at index it's been it's been an interesting thing to learn like how the whole venture ecosystem works as well because uh, I guess in the last 2 years I've learned a lot about it too because we've been in this process. We raised our friends and family a year ago. We just closed our pre-seed round in February of this year. Mm-hmm. So it's been a lot of learnings through this journey. And also like talking to investors is a lot like dating because yes. you you kind of know if an investor likes you or doesn't. <laughs> and it's and vice versa, right? I right. think one of the best pieces of advice that I received was that there's so much capital out there today that you are really giving investors an opportunity to be a part of what you're building. Mm -hmm. And not in an egotistical way, but you have the choice as an entrepreneur to decide, like, who am I going to partner with, not just as a co-founder, but from an investor relations perspective, to bring this vision that we have for the business to life and so it's funny because i was giving workshops yesterday to some high school students here locally for they're having the state fbla conference conference yeah and they were asking me like um, should we do venture capital, ba- like venture-backed businesses? And I told them, like, it depends. It depends on the type of business you're trying to build, yeah. what goals and objectives you have. So there, I don't think there's a one-size-fits-all mm-hmm. answer to it. But for us at Index, uh, our pre-seed um, was predominantly angels, but we've definitely been in this path of formulating relationships sure. with with those seed Um, types of investors.
1: Yeah. And so it sounds like you do a little mentorship on the side as well, if you're going back to the high school and stuff. Did you go to your high school or just a local one?
0: No. So they had the Colorado State Conference for FBLA. And so there was like 2,800 kids at the
1: Gaylord for their state conference. That hotel is huge. I see it every time I drive to the airport. That's the one by the airport, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. Massive. I've always wanted to be in there. Well, I'd never been. It was my first time. And these kids are so bright. And it's just fun for me, too, because I've learned so much in the last two years as it relates to like venture capital and starting a business. Mm -hmm. And 10 years ago, when I was in their shoes... I did not know that any of that existed. Right. In my mind, entrepreneurship was Shark Tank and right. we're like, those were the only investors. And that was like right. my only like view of the world for better or for worse, but I didn't know. And so I really like to go back to conferences like FBLA or DECA, specifically here in Colorado, because the they helped me a lot uh, to show to to show students in today's day and age, that there are, if you have an idea and you want to bring it to life, there's opportunities and avenues for you to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And so I find that mentorship or giving workshops uh, a really fruitful experience for yeah. me. Yeah.
1: Well, you mentioned Shark Tank, which I think a lot of people do get a lot of their entrepreneurial, I don't know, information from. Or And we talk a lot about it on our show is just the idea of entrepreneurship being glamorized, which I think that's kind of a perfect example, right? It's this fun thing. You go on and boom, they pick you and you get a million dollars or whatever. But that, as you know, is not what entrepreneurship truly looks like 99.9% of the time. So can you think back to maybe four years ago or in the early days, um, a, an obstacle that you had to overcome or a risk that you had to take and how you ultimately overcame that?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So. It's uh, one that immediately comes to mind is when deciding to go full time as an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably one of the hardest parts yes, of it Yes, that's a common
1: one we hear.
0: <laughs> that was, and there's never a right time or a wrong time, but I wanted to de-risk it as much as possible. And so what I did, fully knowing that I want to make entrepreneurship my career and knowing that. I would be leaving my stable W-2 job mm-hmm. very soon. I asked myself, "How can I be smart about this to be able to like financially de-risk this?" And so, what I did, I uh, I bought my first home, and I was really intentional about buying mm-hmm. a four-bedroom home so that I could rent out two of the rooms to help offset my monthly living yeah. expenses. Genius! And so. I did that in March of 2021, just around the time as we were getting ready to go full time because I don't have a family financial safety net. It's Mm -hmm. just kind of me. Um, And so I don't have a significant other, like Mm -hmm. a spouse that I'm married to that would help with my bills. So I had to really get creative in how I was going to make this work. And I think when you have limited resources, you tend to get creative. You do. And so it's like, okay, I have the W-2, I'm making a good income, let's buy the hat. like I'll buy the house, rent out a couple of the rooms, and then it'll make it less financially stressful. Yeah to do this entrepreneurial endeavor that I'm I on. I think it's
1: so smart. And I'm sure in the Denver housing market, you've had no trouble at all filling those rooms.
0: <laughs> no trouble at all. I'm and sure of it. The nice thing is, is that it's been like friends of mine. So it's yeah. like modern day house hacking. And it's just been fun like yeah. you know, living with people that you know, and it's just like stress free. And so um, I think at the beginning, it was stressful to, to think about, do I take on like, this quote unquote risk as I'm Mm -hmm. about to like leave my my full time stable job and go on this journey of raising capital and this and that. But a year later, I think it's one of the best decisions that I've done. And I'm thankful that I did at that time.
1: Yeah. So what is the big picture for Index? Like where do you see it in the next five to 10 years?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think the key or the core, To understand where we're going, it's good to understand, like, the problem that we're solving. And for us, it's really centered around the fact that for mid-career professionals that are busy, that are first-time homebuyers, that are starting families for the first time, there's limited time and resources. They tend to have excess capital to continue to level up in their careers, Mm -hmm. and they often find themselves in this state of self-education where they have to teach themselves to level up in any part of their life, specifically as it pertains to their career. And so that's, for us, the problem that we're solving. How do we help this persona self-educate in a streamlined, curated way that adds value to their life? Mm -hmm. And so for us, the other beautiful thing that we believe in is that learning shouldn't happen in a silo, that learning is more fun when it's with others. Mm -hmm. And so connecting people and saying like, hey, Emily, you listened to this podcast on, you know, uh, business breakdowns, Susie, you did as well, and connecting people around common interest, whether that's a common book, a common podcast, to really have a conversation and having content be that medium as a wedge into that conversation yeah and so that's only one one part of it but we have so so many grand visions of like how index will turn out to be but at the end of the, at the end of the day we hope that it's the place where people can go discover high quality content that's been curated for them so they can level up in mm-hmm. their career and right now we're a mobile app, we're looking to expand and expand into a web app and okay. eventually Android. But the the beautiful thing is that the technology the technical solutions as lo- like those will evolve as long as we stay focused on solving a real problem for right. a real customer.
1: Right. That's definitely key. Well, what motivates you every day to continue Pushing and and striving for that, you know, that ultimate goal?
0: Yeah, that's a really good question. So I would say that growing up to like two like immigrant parents, they like have always instilled in me like the power that an education or knowledge can have for Mm -hmm. the rest of your life. They've always told me knowledge is something that nobody can take away from you like you can take that with you no matter where you're at and so that perspective has always stayed with me and like democratizing learning because if you think about it every day we're just like inundated with so much content whether that's there's new podcasts, there's new YouTube videos. I think there's 500 hours of video uploaded to YouTube every minute.
1: I thought you were going to say day, but looking back, that I guess would seem low, but minute is insane.
0: Yeah. So there's (laughs) so much content out there, right? That's crazy. And it's like, we're also seeing these macro trends that going to college is so expensive. It's like getting out of control. We were just talking to somebody today, I think 80K to go to a like college, I'm like, holy smokes, things have really changed in the last 10 Mm -hmm. years. And so we also have this like student loan crisis. And how can we democratize knowledge to people who want to level up that may not have the access to do so? And also like people that do have the means to do so, like how can we help make their lives easier? So to answer your question directly, like what motivates me every day is knowing that what my parents said was true that like knowledge mm-hmm. is something that nobody can take away from you and trying to democratize that for others is something that I fundamentally at my core believe yeah. is is my my vocation.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. Well, thanks for the work that you're doing.
0: Thank you. Yeah. No.
1: And you know, you mentioned a little bit earlier but I kind of want to go back to it before we close out but an, any piece of advice for our listeners? They're mainly entrepreneurs themselves or people interested in entrepreneurship, startups, anything for them? Yeah, I think it's, there's a couple of
0: thoughts. So the first one is that you're, you're always going to be receiving a lot, of, a lot of advice from people, which is good. But sometimes it can be overwhelming to discern what advice to listen to. And the way that I like to think about it is everybody, and maybe this is just the engineer in me, everybody is sort of a data point of some sort. And so if you think about it, you take all of these data points of advice, and if you start to see a cluster of people saying, like, this, this, and this, it's like, okay, there's some mm-hmm. something about that that's resonating. But also... Not all data points are the same, and so some data points are weighted heavier. For example, like I take my co-founders' advice and my family's advice um, much more seriously and weight it amongst that average a little heavier mm-hmm. uh, because they know me the best as well. Right. And so, I guess advice to to entrepreneurs is just listen to your gut, but also like ask for for that advice but be mindful that it's okay not to take everything because it's not going to fit your business and you know your business the the, the most best. Yeah, yeah exactly the best so that's one key piece of advice and then the other piece of advice is if like try to surround yourself with other like radical optimists i say that is my superpower and i i I generally see myself as the person that's like, okay, like, you can do it, uh, si se puede. Like, (laughs) I'm very much in that mindset because when I think about, like, the life that my parents had and the life that they've come here for us, Mm -hmm. it's like we are their American dream. And it's like they have worked so hard for us to have this opportunity to make dreams happen and entrepreneurship in my opinion is the gateway and if you don't surround yourself with radical optimists that will help elevate and bring that vision to life it can it can be really well not as fun and potentially even bring down your business so you have to surround yourself
1: with with other radical optimists i like that term (laughs) a radical optimist i love it yeah well you know the people that you're around whether you like it or not rub off on you so yeah You know, awesome. Well, is there anything else you? I have one more question for you, but before I ask it, is there anything else you would like to add? I think when it comes to
0: to startups and tech, something that I'm really excited about here is specifically in Colorado because this is where we're at. Is seeing our tech community really come to life and really change upon us? Like, if you think about the ecosystem. Five, 10 years ago, I don't think it's what it is today, and mm-hmm. you're seeing a lot of people um, stay in Colorado post COVID because I think it is creating that balance of you can create a really great business here. You have capital here. You have good people, and mm-hmm. that give that have that give first mentality, which is something that I that I really love about it here. And it's funny because growing up. When I lived all over the U.S. and abroad, people would ask me, like, why are you so nice? And I'm like, that's just kind of how it is in Colorado. And so I'm excited to
1: to be part
0: of the, yeah. the local tech community.
1: Awesome. Yeah. Well, to close us out, how would you describe your entrepreneurial journey thus far using just one word? Grateful. Love Grateful. it. Grateful. Yeah.
0: Grateful. And to explain, I know you said one word, but because it... It really is an honor to be able to do this. I, I know that maybe I have this bias because you see the the lack of funding that goes to women and to people of color like myself. And so I feel grateful to even be able to do this on mm-hmm. a day-to-day basis because I'm I know that it's not just my dreams, but it's the people that have paved the road before me and the people that will continue on this legacy after me.
1: Yeah. Wow, I think that's like a perfect place to leave it. That is really <laughs> wonderful. Thank you so much for yeah, joining us. And good luck with everything. Thank you. Where can people find Index and learn more? Yep,
0: you can download Index on the App Store. You can download it today. We're super excited to to have that live. And you can follow me on Twitter. I'm Suzy Startup and on
1: LinkedIn as well. So. And for our listeners who can only hear, it's not spelled index like the word. Correct. It's I-N-D-X. Okay. Index. Perfect. Thank you so much, Susie. Yeah, of course. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for listening to today's episode of The Sliced Podcast. If you're interested in sponsoring an episode of Sliced, please email newsroom at startupblogpost.com and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook.